You are listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 420. In this episode, I talk to Trudy Lebron about how to embrace the anti-racism revolution coming to entrepreneurship. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today, I speak with Trudy Lebron, a diversity, equity, and inclusion coach who teaches entrepreneurs and institutions how to build successful anti-racist businesses. Trudy has been featured in Forbes and has been named one of the 40 under 40 leaders by Hartford Business Journal in 2016. In this episode, we talk about how to embrace the anti-racism revolution coming to entrepreneurship. Before we dive in, have you signed up for my upcoming masterclass, Lessons from a Seven-Figure Launch? After launching my signature program, Samba Kickstart, in January 2021 and making over a million, I want to share with you how I did it. I'll let you in on my most valuable lessons and strategies that had the biggest impact so that you can make your launches even bigger too. Go to the show notes at signal.com forward slash 420, where you can find a link to sign up for the masterclass, lessons from a seven-figure launch, and of course, all the links to Trudy Lebron. I am so excited to be here with Trudy Lebron. She is a friend of Selena So, and all friends of Selena So are my friends. So welcome, my friend, Trudy. Thank you so much for having me. I see you have a red background. Do you like red too, like I do? So it's, I think the lighting is a little off. It's really pink. Um, yeah, we are, it's like a deep kind of fuchsia, maybe color. Um, it is my favorite color. <laughs> but it does count because it's close to red. <laughs> yeah, yes. we are in the yeah. middle of remodeling, um, like or redesigning the office and studio right next door. So yeah, we are painting and all kinds of things. Good. Feels like similar to me. I'm in my new office in, in, in Reykjavik, Iceland, and you might hear a little echo here because I have not figured out how to reduce the echo yet. Uh -huh. uh, working on it, working on it. But Trudy, I love what you do. And uh, before I hit the record button, we were talking about how this is also a topic dear to my heart, but maybe hard for me as a Icelandic European woman to, to know how to, you know, approach this topic. Uh, so I'm glad you are here on the show to, to tell us more about it. So anti-racism, probably this was not your topic since you were born. Like you have somehow come to this topic. You have somehow decided that this is a part of what you do. You also help people, you know, uh, in leadership and, you know, building a business. So why, how, how did the anti-racism topic, like, how did you decide to make this yours? It has been my work almost my whole life. <laughs> I grew up in, in, you know, the United States and the East coast in the United States, um, in the eighties. 
And in the 80s, um, in the community that I grew up in, there were not a whole lot of biracial families. And I, so I am biracial. My mom is white and my father is Afro-Latino. So he is a black Latino Puerto Rican man. And so I always grew up, you know, from as young as I can remember with a very heightened sense of race and identity and, and fitting in and belongingness. Those were things that were, you know, our themes throughout my entire life. Um, hmm. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a singer when I grew up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted to be a hip hop. I like it. <laughs> That's what I wanted to be. But, you know, like the way my career unfolded, um, I worked for a long time in nonprofits, in youth development, working with students who were, um, you know, struggling students students like me, you know, kids who grew up in the same kind of environment that I grew up in. I was also a teen parent. So, you know, I've dealt with a lot of things in my life um, that had to do with fitting in and access and trying to get your life to be better and, you know, all all of those kinds of things. So these are themes uh, through my whole life. And when I was working in the nonprofit industry and realizing that, um, I wasn't going to make enough money in, in that field to live the kind of life that I wanted. And I started to, you know, live, as many people do, listen to podcasts and explore, you know, online space and what it takes to start like a side hustle. I really fell in love with the world of coaching and personal development, professional development. And that world was so white. It, I mean, there's just no other way to say it. And uh, the hmm. conversations that I have been having in my career, you know, in the nonprofit and education industry, really facing inequity and race and diversity head on for, you know, I started doing that work professionally in 2008. So when I was started kind of exploring the coaching industry, I was like, how, how is this field not, this entire industry has not even started to scratch the surface with this conversation. And so, yeah, so it just, just like with many entrepreneurs, you know, I had an expertise. I saw a gap that needed to be filled. Um, to me, it was a really important, not just a business opportunity, but a social and a moral opportunity to help people, you know, build better businesses and serve more people. So that's how I found myself here. You know, my why comes also in terms of equality. Now, Obviously, being raised in Iceland, we don't have a lot of, right. you know, colored people. Uh, but I saw the uh, inequality, you know, that women felt they couldn't make their dreams come true because they got married and had kids. So that kind of inspired me, 16 years yeah. old. Did anything happen? I know, yes, yes, you say you were raised in a community and you kind of, this was always a topic. But was it anything specific where you said, I'm going to make this my mission. This is my why. I think part of it was that I had had a lot of experiences as a teen parent um, where the world was sending me really strong messages about my life. <laughs> and those were, you know, that I was a failure, that I was going to be poor forever, that I was going to all, you know, all of these really harsh narratives. And um, I started to, you know, th thankfully I was really stubborn and I didn't believe any, you know, believe any of that, but it, 
it encouraged me that when I got to college to study psychology, I have a master's degree in psychology. I specialized in public administration and social change. I am a PhD candidate. So I, I spent a lot of time understanding how the environments that we're in shape people's lives um, and shape the way that we interpret ourselves, like our own identities and experience, you know, the world and the communities around us. And, and because of that, like how that then impacts like what we're able to achieve and the coaching industry, the coaching personal development, you know, that world is inherently designed to help people transform. So it was almost like what I was seeing was that there was this entire industry whose core purpose is to help people live better lives, but it didn't have this content knowledge, like this body of knowledge about how race and diversity um, impact, impact the outcomes that people were having. And so it just mm -hmm. made so much sense to me that um, if the coaching industry could fix you know, could fix this and address this, that we could collectively serve more people that not only serve more people, but particularly serve more people of color, more black and brown folks to help them, you know, have better, better outcomes, better businesses, whether, you know, people get involved in coaching for all kinds of reasons, whether they're starting a new business or want a healthier relationship with themselves or other people. So, um, so that's what it was. It was really more, it wasn't really a moment. It was more of a collective experience of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But you also had this, you know, feeling like I'm not going to accept society's view of me. Right. Uh, and I'm going to do something about it, exactly. uh, which, which, uh, yeah, feels very dear to my heart too. So you had already started all of this before last year, obviously. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very much. <laughs> How did last year change you and your business? Like, what did it feel like when you saw, oh, it seems like everybody's waking up, like the yeah. whole world suddenly realizes uh, the problem that has been around for 400 years or more? Yeah, it, it felt like um, people finally showed up to the party that I had been trying to throw for like a very long time. You know, like <laughs> seriously, I spent... Um, I launched my first online course. Um, I, I had been doing like one-to-one -one coaching and group, small group coaching and a, and a ton of consulting for years. But I launched my first course, I think it was May of 2018. And that course was called Diversity and Equity for Coaches. Um, I am almost certain that it was the first course of its kind at the time, uh, which is you know funny because now, there's just, there's so many, which is, which is great. That means the, the demand is there. But when I launched that course, it was, it was not that it was hard to get people to come, but it was very, um, it was so new to people. It was like, I, I was trying to, it wasn't just that I was teaching the content. It was that I was even the phase before that, just trying to help people understand why it was important that they learn it. Mm. So I spent a lot of time you know, in that awareness building and education building and, and relationship building before I could even just start teaching people what they needed to know and coaching them to, to do things a little bit differently. Last year when, you know, I mean, and, and for the last couple of years, you know, we've had successful programs and, you know, we've had a multiple six, six figure business for a while, 
But um, last year when it was like 600 people were on the workshop that I hosted on a Sunday afternoon that I put together in 24 hours, that's when I knew something had shifted and it felt really, it's, there's this tension, right? Because it felt really wonderful. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, it was so sad that it took, you know, it was a combination of like the murder of George Floyd, the, the amplification of um, Black Lives Matter, also that people were home in front of their computers for coronavirus. Like it was almost like this blend of multiple crises happening and happening at once. And so it was, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions. It was a heavy, it was, it was very heavy emotionally. And also mm-hmm. I was like, finally, fine, maybe we can get some stuff done now, you know? Yeah. Uh, I got goosebumps as you were uh, explaining how this happened. Like, you know, it's wonderful that people finally wake up to something they need to learn and know about, but it's, it's sad that it took so much to get there. Yeah, exactly. But that's when people started to hear your name. And I definitely heard your name last year. And I'm glad we are finally doing this episode. But what can people like most of my listeners are based in Europe. Yeah. Most of them, I assume, are white. And uh, I know from my clients last year when I spoke up about Black Lives Matter myself that, you know, not everyone was ready to do it. I said, you have to mix your values with your business. You cannot separate it. It's not possible. It's something that I learned starting a business or running a business uh, 16, 17 years ago that you wouldn't do it. And I can see that was the old way. Yes, for sure. But that that's no longer the way. And we seem to agree on this, but what, what do you say to someone who has these thoughts? Like, I'm not going to mix this. I try to, you know, get I try to stay out of the the business of convincing people, right? What they should do. Our clients, our audience members are people who are, who have come to the conclusion because of, you know, how they were raised, what their, uh, how they feel, what their values are, you know, that they've come to the conclusion that like, I can't do business that way. I need another way. And they come and, you know, they find me and my team and, and we help them, um, your people, I, to me, people, we are one person, you know, everybody is one person. You can't separate your, your business. Well, not that you can't, but I, I don't think that you should separate your business from your values and from your, your commitments. I think that that way of doing business is one of the reasons that we've perpetuated things like pay inequity, for example. Um, it's one of the reasons that we see disparities in the way that people have, um, you know, in the way that people have outcomes in their life um, because of the access that they have to opportunities. Like we are, if we're not rethink, we have to understand, like we, we have been taught business from a system that is really about amassing large amounts of power and money and control. Right. And if we just take those skills. That's what we're, we're doing. We're just replicating these unhealthy patterns that are about, you know, control of resources. And that's not gonna lead us to a world that is healed, you know, where people can have healthy relationships, where we can help people um, have better, have better lives, make sure that people are making the money that they need to make to support themselves and their families. So 
I think we're seeing more and more that you said before we started, you know, it's one world, right? Like we have one, we are all here together in one world. We can talk about different countries and languages and states and all, you know, all of these things. But at the end of the day, we're all in this together. And I think people are starting to, I think many people are starting to see that. And our businesses have to be a reflection of the world that we want to build. And what we're seeing is that more consumers, whether it's a client or a customer, like a product that you sell, or, you know, someone who's purchasing a service that you're going to provide or a su support that you're going to offer them, that consumers are making more purchasing decisions based on their values. So they want to do business with people who share values with them. So business owners are going to have to adjust. You know, I, I think that that's what we're going to see. So it's, it's more of a call to action and aspiration. Like if, can we get more people to do business in a way that's anchored in their values, anchored in creating, you know, healthier communities, healthier, healthier world, better relationships. I think that's the way to create change. Yeah. I saw a lot of big companies in the US speak up, which was uh, refreshing. Yeah. You know, where as before, anytime something happened, they wouldn't say anything. And suddenly yeah. I'm getting all these emails from the CEO. The CEO is writing and right. suddenly there's these statement emails. Yeah. And it, this was like, this didn't really spill over to Europe as much as I would have expected, but I, 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 th I hope this is a change, a lasting change that businesses have to take a stand. Yeah, I hope so. And again, I think that if, I think that if more consumers and if we continue to see this trend of consumers wanting to do business with companies that are taking a strong stand and whose values are aligned with them, I think more companies are going to be forced into that. I don't want people to do things because they're forced into it. I want people to do things because it's the right thing to do. So, you know, what we do is like we help people scale businesses in a way that is equitable, inclusive, um, justice oriented, diverse, you know, how people, our clients are like trying to build diverse teams and improve retention and, you know, and make sure that their values are really coming through. And I think that I, I want people to do that before there's a crisis or there's a problem, you know, cause we, yes. we do help people with that too, but it's the, the work is harder and longer. It's interesting when you say, uh, wanting to do a business with, uh, companies that have values that are aligned with yours. Yeah. I did switch a few systems last year because of that. Exactly. I was not aligned with the values. Uh, so we switched, uh, email system, we switched teaching platform, we teach, switched the landing page tool. Mm -hmm. It was all based on the values. Maybe there were some other things that I was unhappy about before, yeah. but the ultimate, ultimate pulling the plug was the value discussion. Yeah. We're in the same place right now. We're, you know, changing some of the systems that we use and we have been looking to do business, you know, like kind of doing research on some of the, the companies that we're thinking about thinking about moving to even, you know, it, and it's, those things seem obvious when we're talking about like a coach or a service provider, but it's really, you know, when we're talking about like tech, a technical service, you know, like some applications that we're going to use, 
sometimes people don't think of it when it comes to that, but we're really looking at every part of, you know, every part of our business and where all of our, you know, all of our money goes and really to the extent possible, making sure that it's going to companies there where there is alignment. Hmm. And not that we have to agree on every single thing, right? And it yeah. doesn't have to be that they take a super explicit stand in the way that, you know, my company does, but you know, this is, this is what we do professionally. What, what we're looking for, for sure, is at least red flags. Like we don't want to do business with people who aren't saying anything, you know, people don't have to have it perfect, but they need to be aware and making an attempt to, you know, communicate where they stand on things. Yeah, I agree. And it's a bit like, you know, the movement, uh, probably a decade ago to sustainability. And, sure. uh, you know, you go on a company website and you see, are they doing something about that? So this yeah. becomes just a part of the mission statement of each company. Exactly. But, but you mentioned a diversity in teams, and this is a bit harder in some countries than others. Uh, how do we approach this in Europe? You know, what do you, what do you think we should do where diversity in my clients, diversity in teams is, is harder to achieve because, you know, it's just not as many colored people in this area. Yeah. So people of color, you know, it, having, having people of color, black and brown folks in your community, isn't the only way to achieve diversity. So I think that is a, um, a mis common misunderstanding. I think it's important, but you know, there, we have this, me and my team have this, this, uh, question, you know, this conversation all the time, because there are places in the United States where it's still majority white people living in communities. And so if you own a store and your employees are coming to work, like, you know, what do you do? And it's not, it diversity is more, that's why we always talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because diversity mm -hmm. is just about like differences. So you can have diversity in age, you can have diversity in perspective, obviously diversity in race and ethnicity, which is what people, most people think, but there's a lot of ways to make sure that you have diverse perspectives um, in your, you know, in your workplace or in your community. Also um, thinking about how are people included? Um, what is the experience of the people when they come into your space? Um, and that is, I always give this analogy of putting an elevator into your business. If you go into a, if you go into a um, commercial building, if you're going to build a commercial building and it's going to be more than a floor, you have to put an elevator in. And in most places, that's a legal requirement in order for you to be compliant, you know, um, ADA compliant. And the purpose is so that people who cannot walk up and down stairs can get upstairs, but everyone takes the elevator. Having the elevator yes. improves the experience for everyone who comes into the building for the most part, mm -hmm. right? So even if you are a company that is, you know, may, again, maybe for whatever reason, you are mostly white and you are in mostly a white community, there are still things that you need to be looking at to make sure that it, that it is inclusive and that it's equitable for people who are showing up. So the work, it's much more than just like, oh, like let's create, you know, more diversity. Let's have black and brown yeah. folks come and join us at our workplace yeah. deeper than that. Yeah. And that's, that's good because I think that's the common misperception that if you, you cannot do a conference or, 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 you know, have pictures of your team and people like, ah, there is, there's no diversity yeah. on the team because they don't see 
you know, what's behind the face maybe. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's not to give people a pass and say that you shouldn't try to achieve racial diversity. You should, and there are things that you can do um, to most places, even if there are very few people of color, most places have some people who are not, you know, who are, whether they're indigenous to the, to, to the, you know, the place where you live or, you know, different, you know, just different kinds of immigrants, people, language diversity, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of ways again, that people can be diverse. Yeah. So it's not that you shouldn't attempt that there are things that you can do to make your company more attractive, to recruit diversity, to create a safe space for people so that they can show up and not be discriminated against and not have to deal with microaggressions. So I don't want to give people a pass and just be like, no, it's okay if your summit is all white or your conference is all white. That's not, I'm not saying that's okay. What I'm saying is that that's not it. Like that's not the extent of how we measure diversity, equity, Mm. and inclusion. But how do we really uh, bring forward, you know, the anti-racism discussion overall in the coaching industry? Like what, what do you propose? I mean, what I think is that people really need to take uh, a start with a personal journey around what your understanding is about racism, about discrimination, about, you know, patriarchy, misogyny, all of the ways that people have been oppressed over time, like really start to understand that, start to understand how, you know, what you've learned about roles, about power, um, start to unpack your identity. Like what does it mean to be uh, whatever identity you are, whether you're a white person, a Latino person, Indian, like where, you know, wherever you are from, start to unpack what have I learned about my identity? What have I learned about other people's identity? Where do those biases like start to come in, um, in my life? Start to look at your business. What do you only have white clients? Look at your podcast you know, your podcast feed are all the podcasts that you subscribe to just a whole lot of like white folks. Like, why is that? You can create, you know, you need to and start diversifying there. Start listening to people, you know, teachers and mentors who come from a variety of backgrounds and start to understand the broader conversations. And that's before you start to do anything in your businesses, start to just yeah. say, just start to learn like why we have the world that we have and the conditions that we have and come to a personal conclusion around like, what are your values? What are you committed to? Is this something that you can take on in your business? Um, and then you can start to look at, all right, what are our policies? What are our job descriptions? What can we do differently? But until you have done the, that personal journey, you're not even ready to start swapping out pictures on your website, for example. Yes. <laughs> so how, how do you people approach this journey? Do you say you, you sit down and, and start to write a journal on this or, or what, what? I mean, a propose? lot of people do it in a lot of different ways. You know, some people, yeah, some people do start a journal. Some people read a bunch of books and join a book club and start to have conversations there. We have a lot of people join our our membership program. It's called the Equity Centered Coaching Collective. And each month we publish a learning journey for people to go on um, that kind of intersects the personal journey and the business work. Um, So, you know, find a mentor that resonates with you um, and and start to learn from them. And how do we approach like, you know, there is, uh, do we all need to, for instance, you know, I have been watching some documentaries about what's happened in the United States and you know, 
this is not something you learned in school, right? You're no. like, you're shocked, right? Right. And even just little clips on, on Facebook about explaining the systemic problem, like, you know, you couldn't get a loan or you are in, yeah. why, why the schools uh, in certain areas are so much worse than in other areas. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so privileged. Like, you know, we don't have this, you know? So how, how do I, you know, maybe that's difficult for you to explain, but I'm like wondering how do I, how we approach that? Like, should everyone just learn the history of the United States or do we have to try to dig up like what's the history in my country or in, in my part of the world? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I really would challenge people who are from different countries, you know, particularly European countries who feel like, oh, like we don't really have that problem or it's really different because from, you know, when I talk to colleagues in, you know, in the UK, they're like, oh no, this is a problem here. It's, you know, yes. it's just that people aren't talking about it. So because the culture is more formal, more polite, like, you know, there's just like a different way that people show up in those conversations. So I do say, like, start at, like, look at the history of colonization, of slavery, of slavery, of, um, you know, just like all of, of power, right? How power has been amassed by people like, look, learn that about your, you know, about your communities, what, what are the groups that are coming into your communities, your countries, you know, as immigrants, like, why are those people coming? What's going on? Like that, those are good places to start. What is their experience like as, you know, as people who are immigrating into a different country, like, do they think that there is no racism? They probably have another opinion, you know? So you can definitely look at the U.S. where, you know, we talk about these things way more openly and just kind of like, you know, broadcast them. Um, but then, yeah, I think it is important to look at where you live and have a and have a local context for, you know, for how these things are manifesting um, close by. I know you said you don't want to be in the convincing business and talk to people who, but one thing comes to mind as you're saying this, like, this is hard work. I guess a lot of people will just say, well, I'm not going to go there. Like, why do I need to do all this? So I, I and, and this is who I say, you know, like the, the fact is like people don't need to do it. Right. Like, but understand that if you don't, that you're just kind of complicit in, in the system that we have. So it not, mm -hmm. not participating in this conversation is 100% a choice that people can make. I don't necessarily understand that choice, but I acknowledge that that is a choice that many people make. Um, I think that if people are feeling a pull towards like, I want to do something, I want to understand more, I think more people, I don't know, maybe I'm an optimist, but I think that most people do care. I really do think mm -hmm. that. I think most people do care. Yeah. And if yeah. you care, and if you want to be a part of making things better, not that you have to be a hardcore full-time activist, but that you just want to be in better relationships with humans, right? Then this is an, this is a door to walk through, right? Where you become a part of um, making someone's experience better. It will also make your life better. We hear that that is a consistent like outcome that when people mm -hmm. take this journey, whether they are white folks or people of color who also have their own identity work and unpacking to do, that it changes the way you show up in your whole life. 
You know, it changes mm. the, the relationships you have with peers, with colleagues, with your family, how you parent your children, how you run your business. Like it, it really is transformative work and you feel more connected to people. You feel more connected to everybody's humanity. Like it, it just does. Uh, it just does, it deepens your experience, I think, as a human. Yeah, I can totally see that. How has the coaching world changed since you started? You said you've been doing yeah. this since 2018 and maybe in 2018 people were not ready. Yeah, I think people are more ready. I think people are seeing the need for it now. Um, still, a lot of people don't know what to do, you know, and we're working on helping people like learn that. But yeah, yeah people are way more open to the conversation. Uh, people are seeing the need to be participating in these conversations, be like heightening their awareness, be on their own journey around their identity and what they've created and what they're holding on to, what they're perpetuating. People are thinking about how to do business differently, how to create more access and like impact opportunities for people. So yeah, it is shifting. It's great to see, um, especially when especially when I get to work with entrepreneurs who have really big businesses. You know, I worked with mm. Hay House Publishing. I've worked with, I'm continuing to work with Brooke Castillo and the Life Coach School. Like, you know, some we have some clients who serve thousands of people. And so when mm -hmm. we get to work with people who serve that many people, the ripple effect of the work is just explosive. You know, it's, it's massive. Mm -hmm. We also work with people who have, tiny businesses who are like in our mastermind and in our, in our, in our membership. So it's really dynamic. Um, but in, you know, 2018, when I ran that course and the year previous 2017, when I was doing coaching for business owners and helping them, you know, the conversation was really more about like, how do you use your coaching practice to make a social impact? People weren't really ready for the race part of that conversation. Um, But yeah, so it's it's great to see how it's evolved over the last couple of years. And I'm looking forward to, you know, like what's to come. I, I, I see a big change and I think it's, uh, I'm glad that this is a part of like, because I mentioned before, you know, sustainability, like is something that everyone talks about. And now we can, you know, address this social injustice right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. But now we are in Black History Month yes. and I come back to the question What can someone in Europe do where we have never heard of this term before? Maybe some people heard it last year and maybe they heard it the year before, but mainly from American businesses. So everything that comes like, you know, we are, we are doing Halloween in Iceland because we have Halloween in the United States. So everything spills over. And I wonder, people are very careful. I saw some Facebook posts uh, and they're... They're careful, like what is uh, applicable, like what, yeah. what are they allowed to do? Like what is, what is okay? Yeah. So I wonder if you can give some tips. Yeah. I think that it's, you know, it, this is an interesting question about how people in other countries, you know, like do, do this work. Um, and I would encourage people to really think about, again, their, their local context. What can you what, you know, what contributions has the people who come from the diasporic African, you know, community, what contributions have been made that, that are showing up in your community? There, there have, I am 100% sure 
that there are impacts there. And so taking the opportunity to highlight that and to say, look, this is something that we use every day, or this is a building that was designed by this African architect, like, and no one, you know, no one knows that, like, we should, we should know that. And we should be thinking about that, you know? So those are ways to, you know, we don't, you don't have to just like, talk about what's happening in like the United States civil rights movement. Like you have history from your own country that should be explored. And so I think that's Mm -hmm. like just immersing yourself in learning that I think is a great way to spend that time because this Mm -hmm. work is, it's not about like, you know, black history month or any of this work. It's not about an Instagram feed or, you know, like, showing the world that you're cool and that you get it right that's not what it's about it's about how you let it change you and how you come and how you share that learning so taking the time to to, if you're not aware taking the time to do some learning is probably a great place to start but it also sounds like something that is ongoing and probably a journey almost forever like you're not finished at some point well that's the thing I don't think that like you know that we have that conversation all the time about like how black history month is you know it shouldn't just be a month. It should be something that's incorporated into curriculum in school all year round. You know, it shouldn't be, um, you know, black, that black history is American history. It's not a separate thing. So, you know, if, if people want to use the month as a catalyst to, to begin the work, because you're paying attention to it in a different way, that's, that's great. But, you know, it should be something that, you know, if it's a commitment, it's a commitment. It's something that you should always be, you know, thinking about and learning about. I think there's a lot of parallels to, you know, gender equality discussion and and the anti-racism discussion. Like it's an ongoing, it's a never ending, you know, project. And uh, if we don't know what to do, maybe if we take it to some subject that we know better, we we would know what to do. Exactly. So what's, what's next for you? Oh man. Um, well, once we get these two uh, rooms finished, um, we'll be working on some YouTube stuff, which we're really excited about, um, continuing to podcast, of course. Um, we're actually going to be rolling out um, some new some new programs that are really designed to teach more about how to coach because we do a lot of, you know, we do a lot of business development. And um, yeah, we, we, our work so far has, has been a lot about helping people build business that are equitable and inclusive, but we are um, putting together some plans to, to talk about the skill of coaching. Like how do you be a, a coach that is inclusive and equitable? So that's kind mm. of like the next thing that we're putting together, you know, uh, to roll out later this year. Uh, yeah. So those are, you know, and who knows, who knows what else? Who knows what else? Trudy, it's been really so much joy and and, and, uh, informative to have this chat together. And I'm excited to hear what my listeners say. So please tag me and Trudy on Instagram and let us know what you think about this episode. And we'll link up in the show notes your programs and your website so people can go and find Trudy and learn more from her. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Go to the show notes at stick.com forward slash 420, where you find the link to sign up for my upcoming masterclass lessons from a seven figure launch. 
Also in the show notes, you find all the links to Trudy Lebron. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. I hope to see you on the masterclass. Let me know that you've signed up by sending me a DM on Instagram with the code word launch. I'll see you in the next episode.